Chip, here we are. We got a couple minutes before our guest comes on. Welcome to Junk Miles, Chip and Jeff. Chip, I saw you this weekend. It was a good time. It was a great time. I saw you twice this weekend, Jeff. Yeah, crazy, right? I saw I saw you once at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Once, I would say at the end, but really in the middle yeah. of, your, of your race. Yeah, of basically the, uh, of the uh, Fraud Street Run 2021. 2.0. 2.0. We officially finished that. It was a good time. We raised uh, raised some more cash for the fine folks at Phil Abundance. Chip, in for one year period from November 2020 to November 2021, total raised $71,000. That includes direct donations on the Phil Abundance website and money we raised from t-shirt sales. So it was a successful year for us doing That's- our fundraising. That's great. And I, I salute you, Jeff, for doing all the uh, Jeff Lyons does much of the rigmarole and the thus and such. <laughs> you do must, mo, most the of nuts the nuts and bolts. You do most of the thus and all of the such, if you gotcha. will. And yeah. our fine listeners and supporters actually yes. did all of the heavy lifting mm-hmm. by donating the money, joining in the runs. We had a great group come out with us in Philadelphia. Really fun group. I ran with them for uh 11 miles. We had a guy dressed up, Greg dressed up as Rudy Giuliani, and he jogged, he ran very fast the whole way in a suit and Rudy Giuliani bald cap. It was very convincing. It was hysterical. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I did the, uh, did the 11 and then to get more people involved about a week or two weeks ago, I said, Hey, anybody, 22 more people donate at least $11. That's great. I will run 22 miles. And I did. And Chip, I had a beer with the gang at the mm-hmm. 11 mile mark at Four Seasons Total Landscaping. I believe you had a Narragansett. Is that right? Yeah. It tasted so good. And I just wanted to sit there because all you guys were just chatting, you know, after a run, having a good time. And then I realized I got 11 miles more to do. Right. And uh, how'd that 11 was, miles go? It was, it was good up until about mile 18. And then I had a delicious goo pack. Mm hmm downed uh, my container my soft flask of of uh water and gatorade mix and i was good to go for the last three that's great and i want to give it i want to give one shout out to to the fine city of philadelphia chip yes about at mile 14 i patted my body down just saying seeing where everything was and i realized i didn't have my car keys on me oh no yes and i parked you parked right right by the four seasons right by the four seasons outside on the street. And I'm like, I either drop these dumb keys along the way while reaching into my pockets for like, whatever, uh, or, and this is what I thought happened. And I was praying it did just, you know, it was seven o'clock in the morning, got out of the car. I figured maybe I just left the keys in the car. I didn't, mm-hmm. lo- I didn't lock the car and I'll get there and I'll open the door. And then for the final, you know, six miles and I was stressing about it. I just stopped. I'm like, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Chip, K- Kesara, Sarah, as they say. Right. In the Sarah, exactly. And then when I got to the car, Chip, 11.1 miles done, I was exhausted. That moment, 22, 22 miles. Oh done. yeah. 22 miles total. But that leg was 11 something. So 22. Yeah. You know, whatever. Um, but when I grabbed that car door, Chip, and I took a moment and it opened the elation I felt, the the amount of relief and joy, I started tearing up. And then I, because you're emotional after a long yeah. run. And then when I saw my keys just sitting there on 
the passenger seat. I just grabbed them and I kissed them. I, mm, I love you, Keys. And I was like the happiest I've been. I looked around. They didn't steal my gross gym bag. They didn't steal the four empty Powerade bottles or any of my gross clothes lying around in my gross car. Nope. City of Philadelphia said, hey, guys, let's leave Jeff's car alone. You know, I think it's something to do with Chip. I was across the street from the Four Seasons. Right. There were many other cars and things. If people wanted to do some stealing, they could they get their mitts that. on. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what it is. So we just wanted to give a thanks to everybody wrapping that up. And uh, it was fun. Thank you, everybody. Now, Chip, we're moving on to uh, our movie show. And boy, do we have a fun guest. And he's in the waiting room right now. We should probably oh just let him, let him right on. And I'll give let him, him in. A, a hero's welcome. Let's see here. We are admitting our guests. This is always fun because you see them like yeah. popping on. You see our guests connecting to audio. Yep, he's coming. I can feel it. I can sense it. Oh my goodness. Yes. Look at that there. handsome face. Hey guys. Hi Ed. How are you, buddy? I came prepared. All right. Look at my shirt. Oh my uh, God. Perfect. That is my favorite Spicoli shirt out of, yeah. out of a really wide array of a great... big selection. Yeah. yeah there I'll are so many of cool shir shirts. Another one of his great looks, long sleeve, white shirt, green polo over mm -hmm. it. Yeah. This cool. type of shirt with a white turtleneck underneath, like the hoodie, they're like, mm -hmm. you, you get in Tijuana, another good look. The drug Guys, rug, me, as they call let, it, yeah. The drug, hey, drug rug, it's true. Chip, you were mm -hmm. kind of a drug rug guy, not that you did drugs in college, but listening to Fish, doing some- A uh, little bit, a little bit, little, yeah. little Frisbee, you were probably a yeah. couple guys wearing drug rugs. I, I sacked some hackies, if you if you want to say so, yeah. <laughs> well, let me give a very uh, a very warm welcome to our guest. Junk Miles is very happy to welcome writer and author Ed Daly. Ed, you have a brand new book. Let me hold it up right here. I've been reading it. This is such a fun book. It's called The Christmas Book, The Ultimate Guide to Your Favorite Holidays. Welcome, Ed. Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I reached out. I, I've been listening to uh, to your to your episodes, and I was thinking, well, as you get closer to Christmas, mm -hmm. maybe maybe we can have a Christmas ish movie or yes. a movie that has something with Christmas in it, which which we have tonight. Yeah, this book is so much fun, Ed. Um, Chip, if you just want a book that let's say you're going to a cocktail party, Chip, over yep. the holidays, right? Sure. You're a guy, you have a gift of the gab, you have no mm -hmm. problem talking, but let's say you, you, you're, you're a lot of stories, you're a lot of yeah. anecdotes. I need pick something. Up, I need pick to bring up some fire. Ed's book, pick up the Christmas book, The Ultimate Guide to Your Favorite Holidays, available on Amazon, wherever fine Christmas books are sold. Open up any chapter. Top 100 movies based on Dickens' Christmas Carol. Christmas there's some, adjacent there's some rough ones in there. Oh did my you, God, Ed. Now, did, did, you, awesome. did you research that yourself, all 100 of those? So I'll, I'll give you the my process, which was, um, which was, at first it seemed like a fun endeavor, and then it became <laughs> sort of a nightmare. Um, so maybe I, I started doing this in February, and I compiled a bunch of lists. Well, how many different versions of Christmas Carol were there? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen this. I've seen these, and then while I worked out, I put them on in the background. Oh, nice. And so. There would be like an I'd be working out uh, downstairs and there would be a 1934 <laughs> version of a Christmas Carol going on or I was playing obscure songs. And so I had these thoughts in like April 
about Christmas and be like, I just saw the weirdest Christmas episode of Quincy. And my buddy would be like, what? What are you talking about? Are you you insane? (laughs) But you love uh, Christmas, I I, I mean, I, I, I love Christmas, but I celebrate it kind of after Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's usually when I do it. And when you write about something, you're just consuming it nonstop. And now, I, now here, here's a question. Are you going to be way more in the Christmas spirit this year, or are you just done with it for 2021? <laughs> it, time will tell. I, I kind of think there's a, there's an element of you're listening to an obscure band that you want everybody to join you in liking. Mm-hmm. Yep. But at the same time, it could go the other way that this was my thing this year and then everybody's into it and maybe maybe I'm I'm out. So I think the day after Thanksgiving, I'm going to learn a lot about myself. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I, I, I want to hear more about the, uh, the Christmas Carol, whether it's Christmas Carol or other. Um, what is the weirdest, most bizarre Christmas movie or... Christmas TV show episode that you witnessed this past year? Um, this one that sticks I, out of just like, that was, the, that was insane. The most jarring thing to me was an episode of Alf. Um, he, they took it outside the living room for this one episode. They went okay. on site and they took I vaguely him remember to, this. They took him, like he somehow got mixed up with a bunch of toys that were being delivered to a hospital, children. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, 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 this, it's coming back to me little by little. Yeah. So he gets delivered to the room of this girl and he's like, he's doing the toy story thing where he's stiff while everybody's mm-hmm. around. Right. And um, he overhears the doctors saying, oh, this will be Tiffany's last Christmas. Oh, she's got, she's got a stage four something. Holy right. God. And it's like, wh- what are we doing here, guys? What, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's the christmas i mean what are we doing this is alf nobody tuned oh into alf to to deal with the harsh reality so then she thinks he's a toy and then you know hijinks ensue at the hospital he delivers a baby of course and he can convinces the mom to name the kid tiffany there's some, something like that happens wow. and then he then they're like well let's tackle it's a wonderful life and so the guy who delivered the toys his wife had recently passed away and he was thinking about jumping off a bridge oh, and Alf God. has to talk him. And then you're, you're thinking, I just, I just went through the, uh, the ringer of terrible television. Sure. And then the credits roll and it says in memory of Tiffany something. Oh my God. With the, you know, the born and, and death date. Oh, and so my you're God. reminded that this was based off of some real girl. It was, it was horrifying. It was, but yeah. on the plus side, Alf must be real then. If that really happened, yeah, Alf true. was involved. Yeah, that's true. Henceforth, we just haven't found Melnack yet, but it's out yes. there. Yeah. Well, that's good um, to know. That is the heartwarming ending of that one. Well, yeah. I want to thank I'm, you guys oh, because sure. um, the last time I was ever interviewed by a Philadelphia area outlet, um, 10 years ago, I was promoting a book I wrote about breakfast cereal and I got, I, I was a guest on a, a show called The Ten Show, which followed the Today Show. On sure. NBC. Yeah. yeah. I remember The Ten Show. <clears throat> Me too. And they had an audience. And so I'm not, I'm not a, a rare in not really enjoying public speaking. So I'm a little nervous. Mm-hmm. And I also um, have a fear of clowns. And oh. 
Understandable. I'm in the green room, and I'm in the green room with some band that's about to go on, and one of the guys is playing Angry Birds with the volume full on, and so I'm just getting more nervous. I'm hearing, and then they call my name out, and I come out, and it's like International Clown Day, and the audience <laughs> is full of clowns. So oh, I have to do public no. speaking to a group of, I don't know, 50, 60 clowns, and I'm talking oh, about breakfast cereal. And so I'm just trying to like only look at the host and I can see like the the big flower, the squirting flowers in the background. Yes. It, was, it was terrifying. Yes. So it's nice to finally have some uh, non-clown faces interviewing. Oh, thank you. Thank area. you very much. Yeah, Chip. I, I appreciate that. I, Chip, were you on the 10 show? I I, I feel I, like I've been on the Q show. The oh, Q, Q show. show I've been on. Okay. I I might have been on the ten show at one point. I do have a story about actually, and it has to do with an inappropriate audience in the on the ten show. <laughs> there was a. This is going back probably ten years ago. There was a local radio contest with one of the local radio hosts, and it was a stand-up comedian contest. So I'm a stand-up comedian. And yep. it was kind of for more amateur comedians. Like you always wanted to be a stand-up, so you get to do a couple of minutes on the air, and there's going to be a tournament and whatever. So this one kid, nice kid, who was probably in his twenties, early twenties, he was a stand-up comedian. He did open mics, a couple of little shows, and he won this contest. He has some more adult humor that. Went over well on morning radio. It was a little, maybe a little iffy for morning radio, but it, it went over a couple of questionable things, but funny, whatever. Right. Uh, he was brought on as part of the pr uh, prize <laughs> was to perform live on the 10 show. And he, he got there that day and he said, well, do you think my stuff's okay for like 10 in the morning or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, on TV, it's a little different. And he's a brand new comic. He only has about five or 10 minutes of comedy. So it's not like he's got all this material to pull from. That's right. And I'll the, just go to my other set. Right. <laughs> he's, got this. he's just got that. And and uh, uh, let's just say, I don't, I don't want to say on this podcast because I don't want to go blue, but let's just say there was, uh, it, it got a little, it got a little blue, but the, um, he, he talked to the producer and he's like, well, is my set from the radio okay to do this i feel like it's a little push in the line and he's like ah fine it's fine it's fine whatever and he's like are you sure he's like ah, it's fine well then he goes out there to perform on daytime television and it was like children's day oh no <laughs> so the audience was filled with children and he had to do a fairly dirty set where yes. like Children definitely <laughs> learned about the birds and the bees that day and was wow. just horrified. Well, I'm so, so yeah, glad Blake Wexler did a good job, Chip. He did. Blake Wexler yeah. did a great job that day. That is, but, do you but, think that but, show Ed, basically just had every day? It was a diff, like they never had a normal audience. It was either different because they couldn't, they couldn't fill the audience. Like, you know how when, when um, they go by the, uh, the Chinese theater in LA and they just, pick up yeah. like 40 people and like, Hey, you're the guest on, you're the uh, yeah. audience of Ellen or whatever. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's what it is. I think your audience of clowns, like that just seems like such a wonderful, like that's like 10 years of therapy that you can just get through in a morning. I feel like, like you could just like, <laughs> boy, I face this fear. I'm not afraid of anything anymore. Yeah. I mean, cause I, maybe I saw a clown in the parking lot and I was like, well, that was kind of an eerie, Sure yeah. thing, but I didn't I didn't know what what was ahead of me. And then I walk out and and you just see like a sea of clowns. It was oh my god. It was it's like seeing a seeing a black cat before you go somewhere. Like, damn, this might <laughs> yeah. not be good. Yeah. yeah. The harbinger right. of doom. <laughs> Ed, one of my favorite parts of your book, you 
describe you list Christmas TV specials by genre, which is awesome. So if Chip, if you want like, you know, heartwarming TV special, normal, or if you want a sci-fi messed up TV special, Mm -hmm. um, you know, fantasy Christmas TV special, it's like such a well chunked out book. So Chip, like I said before, you just go to a chapter, read a couple pages. You have this knowledge, go to a cocktail party and just like, you know, like someone's like, how's it going, Chip? You're like, well, I was just watching Deadly Toys, the Wonder Woman Christmas special from 1977. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was a doozy, huh, guys? And then just wait yeah. for them to like chime yeah. in on, on what happened. Yeah. yeah. How about Frank Gorshin playing the bad guy, the evil <laughs> toy maker in that episode? There you go. And Wonder Woman doing double duty as her evil twin, whatever, you know, That's it's right. like she fights herself. She fights herself. Another don't, thing. Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It, it might have been more of a, yeah, like a meta. It was a deeper episode than I realized. It really was. How beautiful was that Wonder Woman? What's Linda Carter? My God. Yeah, Linda Carter. Still. Still. Amazing. I remember watching yeah. Battle of the Network Stars and like they had, you know, all the guys were schlubs. It was like, welcome back, Cotter and Robert Conrad. Ed Asner. You know, like chasing each other. Telly Savalas smoking during a volleyball game. Then all of a sudden, Linda Carter would just run on the screen. They're like, oh, Linda Carter's doing swimming and the 50-yard dash. And as a kid, you were just like, this is the greatest TV show. More competition oh, between networks, please. But you're right. It would be like uh, uh, Kojak would have a heater hanging out of his mouth during yes. the tug of war. Yep. And then you'd see uh, you'd see Linda Carter or uh, Aaron Gray. Yes, like, Aaron these, Gray. These aren't the same species, these nope. two yeah. people. My favorite, I, I went back, like Getty Images has a bunch of great ones. Um, Dan Haggerty, who was... Uh, the big bearish guy, I believe he was a Grizzly Adams. Grizzly Adams. And they just show him in an inflatable canoe race. And he's just, the canoe is not meant for all his his grizzliness. And he's mm-hmm. barely getting above water. But big smile on his face, having a good time. Uh, uh, did you know that they are uh, they're rebooting uh, that show? Oh, with no. His, with his, actually, which it's actually with his actual uh, grandson is starring in it. Oh, it's, what's it uh, called, Chip? Uh, Grizzly, uh, Grizzly Quincy Adams. Oh, what do you know yeah, about that? So <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be on Netflix this fall. Check it out, Jeff. Wow. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I hear it's controversial that he got how he got the job, though. There's, there's yeah, yeah. infighting. There, wow. there really was. There really was. One, uh, one thing that, uh, Ed, you a good chapter on uh, popular Christmas toys, which I loved, just going through and kind of remembering all the different toys. And most of the toys, Chip, as you would imagine, are like toys that were made because there was popular TV shows, popular movies, so, you know, mm-hmm. they're tie-ins with that. But there was one that really stood out to me. The Talkboy tape recorder was actually went the other way. This fake thing was already in a movie, Home Alone 2. It's when little uh, Macaulay Culkin is like doing the voices and then sure. doing like the voice modulation. So I found out through Ed's book, again, the Christmas book, Ultimate Guide to Your Favorite Holiday, that this they rushed this into production because they're like, let's make this. And then I did a deep dive. So when it first came out, it was just basically a tape recorder mm-hmm. called the talk boy, you know? Yeah. But people were a little bummed that it didn't have the voice modulation that he used in the movie. So then the next year they put one out with the voice modulation and it sold like hotcakes. Wow. It's, yeah. it's a little bit like the first year of star Wars 
can or didn't realize they were there was going to be that kind of demand. And so they just pretty much handed out vouchers like IOUs yep. for Star Wars figures that first year. And it was the year after Star Wars, was it 78, when the toys were everywhere. But that first year, it was like, well, here's a here's a coupon for Princess Leia. <laughs> it's coming. And you know how good it, kids are about there. waiting. And you know, when you wake up Christmas morning and you're just like wanting some action figures, like, oh, a voucher just as good, right? Yeah, that's right. Hey, let's play. use the force. Pretend. Yeah, use me. Voucher fights. Hey, just, just just a stocking full with Cole's cash. You're like, just what I wanted. What's the book that people would sell? The book, a big book of coupons. Oh, the coupon, like the yeah, yeah. I know, yeah, yeah. When, when someone yeah. gives you to like, hey, it's a thirty dollar book, but it has over six million dollars yeah, worth like, of savings. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And, but and you, you have go, to spell eighty three. You have to uh, sell. $83 million worth of Kit Kat bars to get it. There you go. I, I don't understand cryptocurrency, but I feel like that's what <laughs> cryptocurrency is. Exactly. Are those is. coupon books. NFTs. That's all in yes. the same basket. Yes. Isn't it great? I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you two guys, but I think collectively, isn't it great when you're too old for nonsense you don't no longer have to get involved with? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't really have to worry about NFTs or crypto like that's a young guy's game that's for them to either prosper or lose their shirts and it's like i'm too old i'm good i don't have to figure this out i can sit back and make fun of it which we do right i i i've said this many times and people like well that's kind of dark and i'm like i just think i'm old enough that i can i can ride this game of life out without the uh the, the funny money whatever that is yeah, yeah you, you you don't need all that. I I got my satchel of two dollar bills and fifty cent pieces, and I'm happy. Yeah, right, guys. We're gonna go right from Christmas, and we're gonna talk a little bit about it at the end. But uh, Ed, I was so happy when we when you decided you mentioned Fast Times, and I think Chip can agree. This is in my probably top three movies of bringing me complete joy and happiness. From being Same. a kid or even Easily now, top five for me, yeah. I, I get giddy thinking about it. Like mm-hmm. it is so great on so many levels. And in case a new listener here, you know, Chip, we got a bunch of millennial listeners. Who are we kidding? We do. We we pander to the millennials. So let's give a little recap to uh if any to the large portion of millennial. It's a 1982 America coming of age comedy drama directed by the amazing Amy Heckerling, her first major motion picture, directorial debut even. Most of you guys would probably know her from Look Who's Talking, Clueless, movies like that. Uh, It was a screenplay, I think we all know, by the famous Cameron Crowe, based on his book, Fast Times at Ridgefield High, where a 22-year-old Cameron Crowe disguised himself as a student, went to the high school, hung out, gleaned all this information wrote a book about it. And then Amy Heckerlin's like, let's take that book. Let's make a screenplay out of it. I feel like that's something you wouldn't be able to do today. That just no. certainly not. That just feels, feels you're very creepy. doing that. Right? right. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's, there's no, Oh, I'm just doing this. Or like, there's, you know, there was always, I feel like on sitcoms, there would always be that, like there was an undercover cop that was mm-hmm. a narc that would come in. That still just feels shady to me. I, yeah. I don't, I would say I, and I, I saw, Street. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And I saw a Cameron Crow picture of him when he was 22. Like, no. You were young looking, but right away. He looked like Narc. Mike Damone. 
Yeah. 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 yeah or much. Judge Reinhold. Yeah. Yeah. A little it, mixed in between two. He had a big shaggy head of hair. Obviously, the film chronicles the school year and the lives of sophomore Stacey Hamilton, played by the very young and amazing Jennifer Jason Lee, Mark Ratner, played by Brian Backer, Phoebe Cates, of course, one of the most famous, probably breakout stars from the movie, Mike Damone, easily one of the greatest characters ever, not only in a teen movie, just ever. any movie. Talk about a guy who just nailed the crap out of that role. I was just going to say, I knew I loved him. And I, you know, I don't, I didn't go so long before seeing it. But when I saw it this time, I was just in awe of how great he is. He's like, yeah, Romanus, they're all Bob Romanus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're all just really amazing. good actors, like really yes. good. And they just nail that teenage innocence and teenage kind of fear, joy, all that. His cocksure delivery of those lines every line was perfect coming out of his mouth um and of course jeff spicoli sean penn judge reinhold playing the big brother brad and in addition to those major characters one thing about this movie had a bunch of smaller roles can you name some of the smaller roles guys let's just name it name somebody who was in that movie small role who's now a big movie star we've uh uh nicholas uh coppola there was in go. there yeah, i believe yeah. that's what he went by at he the did. time and he spent a lot of time bragging who his uncle was and by the end everybody was making fun of him uh, man. another fun fact he was the youngest star on that movie everybody else is at least 18 early 20s he was 17 he lied and then when they found out he was only 17 they had to cut his role really short to stay oh. within guidelines of having teenagers wow. on the set uh another oscar winner Je- yes. Jefferson. Yes. Forrest Whitaker. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. There were actually three Oscar winners, guys. I have a quiz coming up, but since we mentioned it, guys, let's see, Ed, I'll throw this one out to you. Um, can you name the, let's see, the three Oscar winners from this movie? It is Cage. Cage yep. won. And, yep. uh, Nicholas Cage. Oh, and Forrest Sean Penn. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Very nice. Very uh, nicely done. My favorite, I think my favorite small, very small role, but he's good in every small role that he ever did in the 80s. Uh, Mr. Taylor Negron. The best. As, oh, as the, so as the pizza, pizza guy. God rest his soul, man. He God rest his soul. Awesome. He's one of my favorite comedians. He is amazing as the mailman in, uh, uh, sure. Uh, better off uh, dead? Better off no. dead. Yes. yes. Mailman and dead. Are, yes. Just incredible. Yeah. His line, his line reading, his simple line reading of pizza guy. Pizza guy. I use that every time I walk in the house with the pizza. <laughs> I use the same voice. I nail it every time and no one cares. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about that. Now, Ed, when he delivers that pizza, right? I got I to gotta pull this up. He says, who ordered the double cheese and sausage? And then, of course, Spicoli, right here, dude. And then now- that was the that was the scene when when uh, Mr. Hand is scanning the classroom and he does a double take because Spicoli is just sitting there nicely like smiling. <laughs> yes. It's so good. The 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 panaways the the shots where they just set up a scene where they just show Spicoli or Rat they're so great. Like mm-hmm. this film is so well directed. It's so well paced. My question was. 
when you open the pizza and it looks delicious, it's one of the best pizza shots of any movie. There's no double sauce. There's no double cheese. It's double cheese, no sausage. On it. Yeah, there's no sausage involved. There's no sausage. No, to- no topping, just a lot of cheese. Yeah. No topping. And just the way he calls up, Hamilton, get a good one. Get a good one. I still, mm-hmm. every time my kids <laughs> go to get a piece of any pizza, I'm like, get a good one. And they're just like, what? And uh, Ray Walston was terrific. My Mr. God. Mr. Hand. And I read that uh, uh, Fred Gwynn was approached originally and it was too crass for him. Yeah, he, he wanted no part. He's like, no. Nope. That's the guy who, he always complained about being typecast as Herman Munster. Herman it's Munster. like, you could have been, you could have been yeah. Mr. Hand. He's the guy who got his too crass. He's the guy who got his Achilles cut in uh, what movie was that? Was that Pet Cemetery? I think something really schlocky like that. So uh, that would have been a step, big step up for him. All right. Oh, also, and, uh, is it Vin, is it Vincent Vincent Chivali? Chivali is incredible. Chivali, yeah. amazing. Chivali in everything that he does. He is one yes. of my. I, I, it's going to come up, but I, I'll just say that he is one of my favorite lines in the whole movie, where they just show him in class, no one's paying attention. He's just like. A little slow today. I just switched. I just switched to Sanka. Please have a heart. Have a heart. Have a heart. Like that. That line could have been so many different. Go easy on me. Just have a heart. And just little yeah. things like on the first day when the guy, the girl's complaining that she doesn't want to go to see the autopsy that he does, and he's like, so he should just pull stuff out like stomachs and tumors, and the guy's like, stomachs, tumors, entrails, like just says it. It's it's perfect. How about um. At the at the part where he pulls the heart out at you know at towards the end of the movie he pulls it out, and Spicoli gives the the great line of like gnarly, and there's like a a, a glimmer in his eye. He's like very proud of the fact that he's holding it, and Spicoli yes. only he and Spicoli are enjoying the moment. Everyone else is just in, in bad oh. shape. And he's he's really enjoying it. Keep uh. that keep that thought. We have a good trivia question about that scene. Not to be a downer and bring a this episode is dedicated to tiffany or anything like that but <laughs> i believe in it if unless i have this wrong i believe remember when uh vincent chiavelli's chiavelli's whatever it is his he we meet his very attractive wife at the Beautiful dance yes. i believe the actress who played his wife is the woman who was murdered <gasps> by a uh, music legend uh why is he oh, wall of Phil sound Spector. Phil, Spector. Phil Spector. Oh my Phil God. Spector it is. is. That's the it woman is. who was murdered by Phil Spector. Which wow. if I want to tie it back to Christmas, Phil <laughs> had a terrific Christmas album before yes. he went murdering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And was that the one? Didn't the he Ronettes, like. Ronettes. Ronettes were the, they were, that was the Christmas song when Santa's getting his leg peed on in this movie. Oh my God. That's right. Everything ties together in this universe. I do Uh, love speaking of Christmas. I do love how I feel like just in real life, Christmas and fast fast times just it just happens. It comes out of nowhere. Like they're 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 just playing football or they're at their lockers, and all of a sudden it's Christmas Christmas time. Yeah, yeah. There's no lead up, and I that's I like I said the movie's just so well paced. Like they didn't need to like do a slow roll into it was all of a sudden like nope Christmas time at the mall. Mm-hmm. It's like um, high school students; their lives are all-consuming, and so something like Christmas just happens to be a part of their yeah, absolutely their machine. Mm-hmm. And it it's summer break, and then all of a sudden it's a a, a a break in the action. But for them, Christmas is just another bump in the road. Mm-hmm. It is such a I hate using the overused hacky 
a love letter too, but it is such a great homage to teen mall culture yeah. and how important it was for teens to get a job. How important was it like to get that right job at the right fast food place, to get it at the record store? They do such a good job of showing the importance of young kids working and like trying to secure a good place. And then they show like how proud they are. Like as much as like Brad Hamilton, he really was concerned about his job and did mm-hmm. it well. And was, you know what I mean? Like they all yes. pretty much did their jobs well. And I thought that was like a nice nod to teens of that era. When Spicoli I, I, and the gang take off the shirts. Yeah. Right the away. One who comes out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Their fellow high school student is like, Hey, no shirt, no shoes, no dice. Even before that, Ed, you guys had shirts on when you came in here. That is one of the best. Just the way he nods, he's cooking. He's like, hey, guys, I know you had shirts on when you just <laughs> nothing gets by. Nothing gets by Hamilton no, when he's, he's manning good. the grill. And I want you to tell me your earliest remembrance. Where were you, if you can remember, when you first saw Fast Times at Richmond High? So I certainly didn't see this in the theaters, but. No, it was one of those. I saw the edited for television version um, when I was probably in like fifth grade or yeah. so. This movie came out when I was six. So when I was in about fifth grade, I saw the edited version. And then when I was maybe we rented it like a sleepover or something, we rented it. And then I saw the uh, the pool scene and it was a whole different ball game. That wasn't on the channel 11. (laughs) You're like, yeah, people love this movie, but I mean, it was great, but I didn't. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God. And I think sometimes the movie gets overlooked. What is this? Some team raunchy teen movie. You know, it's just a girl taking off her top and there's probably like 20 scenes like that, but that was stunning in not only the amazing way it was shot. Phoebe Cates is beautiful it was such an embarrassing moment for Hamilton, but there wasn't a lot of that. You know what I mean? So it was like, boom. And this was around the same era. I mean, when I was a kid, I heard all about it. I didn't get to see it in the theaters, but I heard all about Porky's because that was the only thing it had going for it. And I bet it was around the same time. They were probably yeah, competing. With sure each other. it was. Yeah. And like, you know, how does that movie hold up? Not it's- at all. And there's, it's because there was, that's all Porky's was. I mean, it, you know, it, it differed from the book a little bit, if I have to be honest. <laughs> but th- there was just many. T- it was just new scene. After- who? Who? Yeah, it was Porky's? Fred Faulkner. Yeah, not, not. Yeah, yeah, it was Fred Faulkner. Fred Faulkner Ford. Not, not Sound and Fury. Uh, right. You know, and it, which is really interesting because today I watched on YouTube. I watched the original trailer for Fast Times. Oh, so the great. theatrical trailer. But for the first 30 seconds, it's just girls getting undressed. Like, it's just like a super cut of just, I guess, girls and guys, like teenagers just yep. ripping their clothes off and making out. And it's like, that's, that's not all the movie was, but that's no. what they wanted you to think when they advertise it. All right, two questions for each of you. Which character, and this is going to be hard, but which character did you, did you like the most? Whose story arc did you enjoy the most following? And then who was the most relatable, you being a teen? Ed? Um, so like, like I said, I mean, the, my admiration for Robert Romanus as, <laughs> as, but I, I certainly don't admire him, but the, <laughs> the guy, the guy, the, the two guys that I could not 
get take my eyes off like i was i was mesmerized this this particular viewing last night was dennis taylor and the irate customer i that was perfection yes. that whole scene perfection yeah. that guy plays it so such such a jerk how you know just reach your little hand into the cash register and get me my two dollars and 75 cents and then he scans the name tag brad brad oh uh he's so good and, and then he has dennis just taylor, a hint of a southern comes, accent that's right it's, it's the worst yeah and dennis taylor comes out like a the, the real cheesy manager like oh brad did you did you insult this guy i thought it was perfect but but i sadly i probably was more <laughs> i was probably more like uh brad, brad. in yeah. high school like brad had the i wasn't rat i but i was the guy who always had a job and was not the guy hanging out at the pool i was probably inside like brad was <laughs> chip uh, favorite character relatable very similar and this is going to sound this is going to sound cheesy uh but uh spicoli you can't take your eyes off of spicoli at all i just he's amazing um i do love speaking of dennis taylor i love there are two conversations that brad has about dennis taylor outside of work like <laughs> And both times he refers to Dennis Taylor as Dennis Taylor. Yes. Like both times, like as if people would know him. He's like, let me yeah. just talk to Dennis Taylor. The Dennis Taylor? Yeah, yes. the Dennis Taylor of, oh, the, the manager of All American Burger? Sure, the Dennis Taylor. It's it's one of it. Let me just talk to Dennis Taylor and I'll see what I can do. Well, that's yeah. how important the world of jobs and fast food in that mall was to everybody. They're like, hey, you want to get a job at All American Burger? You better know Dennis Taylor. Mm -hmm. Like, where was, you say Dennis where was Taylor. Arnold? Where was Arnold that he he helped he helped hook him up with Dennis Taylor? Oh, he was at the uh, was it like so like Rodeo Burger or something like was it something yes. like that? Something. And then he asked him, he goes, uh, "What's what's the secret sauce Rodeo Burger?" He's like, uh, "Mayonnaise and ketchup." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ever since they started making uh, chicken nuggets, it it all went downhill. <laughs> I'm gonna say that uh, yes, Bacoli is probably my favorite. I I just love and um, but yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna I I'm gonna agree with Ed uh, between Ratner and Brad, like and in the worst ways of both, in the right. nerdiest. The responsibility ways of, both. Yeah. of of a job with mm -hmm. Brad, and then yeah. just the unsure of yourself as a teen of Ratner, and I think Ratner uh, did a great job. Just I yes, I would watch Brian Backer. I'm I'm surprised yeah. he didn't do more. I guess I think he did some stage work and all, but mm -hmm. I think he actually won a, a Tony or something like that early on in his career, but. I, I'm I'm shocked that he didn't do more because I would watch him in anything. Yeah, maybe because I relate to him, but he's just so good and so likable. He's in a great movie, uh, 1985's I believe, Moving Violations, which wow. is a terrible, terrible movie that is hilarious and it's probably the movie that my brother and I rented the most <laughs> as children. And he's one of the stars in it, and it's great. Uh, I'd watch um, Brian Backer. Nate. I think maybe the two best portrayals of bosses in a movie of like fast food place dennis taylor just amazing the way when he comes out and he, he does the finger the yep. tent the hand right. tent and and just the way he talks down to brad in front of the customer who just wants his money and then the boss at the um oh the uh, fish place the fish place i'm, oh, I'm blanking captain on fish and captain host fish and chips the way when just the way he talked down to brad and he's just like, 
Brad, uh, I'm going to man the grill. Um, we got another huge order for the guys at IBM. So you're going to take that over to them at lunchtime. Brad's like, yes, sir. And Brad, you know, just yes, sir. Then they just show poor Brad getting into his street clothes, his civvies. And the shot, like to Amy Heckerling's credit, the way it was shot, you just see the boss looking through like the window of like the fry station. He's like, Brad, what are you doing? Uh, just changing into my street clothes. So when I go to IBM, I get order food. He goes, Brad, when you're part of, and then he just gives this spiel and he's just, and he just gives him the spiel. And at the, at the very end, Brad's like, all right, I'll put my clothes back on. And just the way he says, show some pride. <laughs> Some pride. Just and then just putting did, on that outfit. There's no yes. pride with that outfit. No, just the way he's like, show some pride and just kind of like, but the way that boss, I worked at Burger King, I've worked at when I was a kid, they had the tone so right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, what mm-hmm. are you doing? Like, you work here, you're a representative. Yeah. And it made like I'm not putting down the bosses that you like, that's just how they're supposed to be. That's how they were trained. But that's and the their way, career versus right. the high school kid that this is a job. And right. even though Brad was a by the book guy, because he just wanted to make money, because he only had how many car payments left, Ed, on the cruising vessel? Five, right? I think it was six. Was it five? Oh, maybe it was six. Maybe it was six. Five or six with the cruising vessel. Like that was his motivation at that age. Like he bought a car. He needed to make those payments, which right. was fantastic. Yes, yeah, so I think. And then right after he leaves there, who? Another celebrity sighting. Who does Brad meet? Oh my God, this is, yeah, let's bring it up. Chip, Ed and I know this, but in okay. one of the greatest scenes ever, Brad is on his way to deliver to boys at IBM yes. their fish sandwiches. Uh, all I have to say is one of the smallest details of that scene, which is amazing. Oh, where the girls are like laughing at him in the car? No, before that, he's driving and they just show him in, in the cruising vessel. He has his hat on mm-hmm. and he just opens up one of the lunches and takes a bit and eats it and goes, oh, and throws it out the window. Just the way Amazing. he's like, the food where I'm working at is not good. No. He pulls up, Chip, mm-hmm. and he sees a woman in a car. Who is she? I don't know. I can't remember. I We're going to let Ed tell you. Well, she was the, I don't know if they, probably future wife of the writer of this movie, and she was the... uh from the the uh, band Heart is Nancy Wilson. Oh, that's right. That's oh my God, I forgot that's Nancy. She Wilson. was dating Cameron Crowe at the time. Wow, so she was dating. And she, right. I mean, she was. It took me forever to to realize that was her. Just another beautiful woman in a car. And then, like years later, someone said that, and I'm like, no. And then you're like, yep. Wow. I got a couple other random cameos. Yeah, that, bring them on from some digging. Uh, so that cool pep rally where nobody cares whatsoever. Yep. And the blonde is really with all the gusto, but she's standing next oh. to a brunette. The brunette is Bruce Springsteen's sister. Yes. Yes, that's right. And uh, at the end at Mighty Mart, mm-hmm. the guy who sticks him up, do you the know Robert. who that is? No. I saw his name. I, he didn't ring a bell, but he was, he was great in his manic uh, energy. He was very good. He played the role of Michael Tandino in Beverly Hills Cop, Eddie Murphy's oh. buddy that sets the whole thing off. That dies, right? That gets killed. Yes. That's yeah. him. Wow. He's great. And he's great as the robber. He spray paints yeah. the uh oh, yeah. the security camera and then screams. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's just talk about it. that's the final scene of the movie. And 
Ed, Chip and I, what we love about all these movies, this goes against two of our favorite things, mm-hmm. Chip. There's no freeze frame ending. It does, it does, it, but it doesn't. It, it does, right. but it, it doesn't. It does, but it doesn't. Yeah. We love, Ed, an 80s movie for us has to have a freeze frame ending, and everybody who's in the movie has to be there at the final scene. Like, there's a reason why everybody has to be there. So they had a pretty good going with the, right before that was the school dance. Mm-hmm. So everybody was there. But right. what a perfect- yeah, you saw Jefferson dancing. You saw everybody. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. that was a great that shot where they just showed you Arnold going crazy dancing. You know, like mm-hmm. Arnold was a great unsung character, too. in that Robert yes. Romanus Hope- and Backner get they get become friends again. Yep. Yeah. Stacy finds out the piss, Arnold. Help you out mm-hmm. hell of a piss, Arnold. That scene, Ed and Chip, where another expertly shot scene where they just show Brad in the bathroom cleaning the bathroom. Now, this could have been him cleaning the bathroom, but he's wiping down giant letters that just say, big, hairy pussy. Yeah. And he's rehearsing how he's going to dump his girlfriend. Yes. (laughs) While he's, while he's, that scene should be taught in film school. Right. He's like, waxing poetic right there. He's waxing. Yeah. Oh, and yes. <laughs> that is that's just one of the, the, the greatest scenes. But the final scene, not only what it went against, there was kind of a freeze frame ending, but to have like so many memorable lines like, you know, I got you, you bastard, and there there goes your ride. And then it's Spicoli just comes in with all right, Hamilton, which I believe is the last spoken line of the movie before they go to the quick. Yeah. This is a new thing for us, Chip eighties movies, nineties movies where they animal house did it. Yep. I think it was an homage to animal house where they give you Ed. Yeah. Where everybody ends up, which I just, I think animal house, the, one of the greatest is like Niedermeyer killed by his own troops. It was was so shocking. And you're like, (laughs) Um, how about uh, Hamilton, his future he had just he just finished school early June, and they said he was made manager June twelfth. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Un- unreal. Unreal. That was his future. Like yes, a week later, because he's probably the only guy who you know stayed there longer than two weeks in like mm-hmm. yeah manager position. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Those and those... then and that final lo- that final scene after they tell everybody that what happened to everybody of just that wide shot of Arnold and De- Arnold singing into the microphone. And Dennis Taylor comes in and he's, you know, you know, just annoyed with him uh, with the Oingo Boingo song. It's just it's a perfect way to end a movie. Yeah, he's clearly they, telling him that's not a toy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. No, you don't sing into the that's you take orders with that. You don't sing into right. that. And I just love the fact that he's just such a minor character. But that's how they decide to end it with that. I read. So they were closing up the mall at that point. Everything's yep. closing. Yeah. And that was an homage to Mean Streets. Oh, my God. That was Heckerling's little nod to Mean Streets, because I guess at the end of that movie, I haven't seen that movie in ages, but after all of the final action happens, it's about, like, things shutting down for the night. Wow. Oh, wow. See, I thought it was a nice bookend because the the movie started just showing, you know, Robert Romanus just walking through the mall as everyone's getting into their jobs. You know, they're showing like Stacy and Linda at the pizza place, um, Rat, you know, doing the movie uh, ushering, mm-hmm. like him just showing the vibrancy of the mall and how it's like the hub for teens. 
everything is happening there. And at the end, when they showed that everyone closing, it just felt like, wow, this could have been encapsulated all in like a day. Like that's how their lives were. I thought, I think that movie, like, again, I keep saying it is so subtly well-directed and there are a lot of like teen movies from that year. I think another one, 16 Candles, another one that was really well-directed and paced, um, John Hughes, of course, but this one just stood out. I mean, there were so many of that era and you can point to this one and the John Hughes movies that are just ha- are next level with, yep. with writing and everything. The, the rest of them are essentially people hooking up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you're right. Just like fighting. it's guys conniving ways to see women naked. Yeah. Right. And this was actually gave it a little heart and it was, it was hysterical. Like, I mean, there were, there were just scenes you're laughing out loud, you know, it wasn't like, um, and, and the thing is they didn't like, you know, a lot of people talk about like the movie super bad, like newer teen comedies where they're great. Super bad was great, but it's like so overly written where to me, every line is a quip answered mm. by a quip, right? Another quip on top of a quip and the dialogue, there's not real world dialogue. You know what I mean? Like yep. here when rats just talking to Romanus, he's talking as a nervous teen where, you know, Robert Romanus is just like given this, uh advice unearned advice so well like it's it's real to me you know what i mean it was like real dialogue yeah um we uh i throw fun facts out guys i like to throw fun facts about the movies i'm just going to give you a little peek into my life uh my name's jeff lyons uh i looked a lot like sean penn when i was younger i still a little bit i had long soccer hair when i first graduated high school i went to college First day of college, I'm in the cafeteria. I walk in, get my food, and I literally, you know, just came. I grew up in a beach town, so I looked up, you know, I had probably like OP shorts on, surf shirt, little long hair. Cafeteria worker serving food goes, looky here, we got Jess Spicoli getting some food today. (laughs) She said it so loud cafeteria people were laughing students were laughing it's like what do you want mr spicoli and i'm like hi um do you have any hamburgers (laughs) (laughs) two people who i just made friends with were in line with me were like holy shit spicoli and that was my name for like the first two years was just like jeff spicoli spicoli i had like a i was playing intramural sports my football jersey said spicoli Spicoli. so there was this extra like love of sean penn back then and the whole Spicoli like mentality. Uh, that was very nice. The inspiration for Mark Ratner, Cameron Crowe knew this guy and met him when he was undercover at the high school. Guy's name was Andy Rathbone. Andy Rathbone eventually became rich and famous writing all the for dummies computer books. Oh, really? Wow. So the real life rat did okay for himself. That's great. Now I want to di- I want to dive in real quick. When I think of Fast Times Richmond High, the whole universe, I loved it. A seven episode 1986 TV series called Fast Times, based on the movie. Are you guys familiar? I've heard uh, it's really good. I've never seen it. It's good. Is it Ed? I I, I just I remember reading that. Um... There were some like future. Was Courtney Thorne Smith in it? Yes, there she were, played. Like, some yep, future she played Stacy. 
Yeah, let me just give you, I'll give you the the cast. It was chock full of young talent, let's just say. You had Courtney Thorne-Smith reprising the role as uh, Stacey Hamilton. Patrick Dempsey, young Patrick Dempsey, who is obviously in a bunch of movies back then. A little miscast, but he's playing Damone. All right, yeah. All right. Dean Cameron, who was in summer school, he played pretty much Chainsaw. the same character. Chainsaw, played, yeah. Played Spicoli. Oh, okay, a I very hard role to to take over. He did an okay job. You can tell yeah. he was a little tentative. You can't go full Spicoli. You kind of almost have to make it your own thing. He you did. Can't, you can't out Spicoli Spicoli. Yeah. And then we ran that out with Claudia Wells, who was like a stunningly beautiful 20-year-old actress playing a teen, uh, the Phoebe Cates role. She was That's, from, um, yes, from, of course, from, from Back, the, to the uh, Back to the Future yes. movies. But she's like so distractingly like young lady beautiful in the movie. You can't see her as a teen. She just looks yeah, like, right. she's like 2021. 20, Jason Hervey, who we love from UHF. Sure, and from uh, The Wonder Years. Wonder Years. He played he, Curtis, the little brother. By the way, just to, just to show how good looking Jeff is and I am, uh, Jeff was told he looked a lot like Sean Penn growing up. I was told I looked a lot like Jason Hervey growing up. So, uh, so there you go, <laughs> Chip. I think we know where we're going is for Halloween next year. Mm-hmm. Jason um, Hervey had an underrated role as the little jerk who ended up having Pee Wee's bike. At the yes, end. we uh, incredible. incredible. We talked about that. We how much we loved that scene. How much of a pro he was, Jerry. He's ready. He's ready. Jerry. I'm he was ready. <laughs> so. I have to tell you, there's six episodes on YouTube. Horrible quality. Okay. The thing that's endearing about it is they bring the two teachers, the only ones who came back, Mr. Hand and Vincent Schiavelli, and then they add in a female teacher. So it really revolves around the high school, the teachers, and their good friends with the kids. So it's all like hijinks that ensue there. Very miscast guy as Brad Hamilton. The guy, the actor, I'm really not sure of his name, but he looks like he's about 32. And it just takes you out of it. And he's nowhere near as Brad Hamilton as, of course, Judge Reinhold. But the thing it has going for it, if you ever have some free time, go watch the episodes. The theme song is outstanding. Danny Elfman did a theme song specifically for this TV version called Like Fast Times, and it's great. Wow. Listen to that as opposed to we're going to the soundtrack here, Ed and Chip. The soundtrack for Fast Times, not good. A lot of these movies from this era, John Hughes movies have great soundtracks. Take a listen to two songs specifically. Again, this is a lot of homework for you guys. Billy Squire has a song literally called Fast Times and then something in parents. Sammy Hagar has a song straight up called Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm -hmm. I bet he spent a total of two minutes not only writing the words and the music. It is the most by-the-book, crappy-ass, mid-80s hard rock song. The only saving grace from the soundtrack, I think, we had Gotta Be Somebody's Baby. Yeah. Um, Jackson Brown. Yeah, Jackson Brown. And then the uh, the Ravens had the song um, raised on the radio, and that was like yeah. pretty. But good he's song. watching the car. Yes, yes. Yeah. I Cruising do like vessel. it's it's goofy and silly, but I do like Oingo Boingo's the goodbye song at the end. Oh yeah, like when they're singing. That's, that's an fun. earworm. Like yeah, I, I still earworm. have that in my head. Like I keep. I was before we started. I was just thinking like 
goodbye, goodbye. Bye, like, goodbye, in my head good, as I'm doing. It's great. And I will say, uh, also iconic uh, in that is, uh, the, well, they do, and they, they, they bring it in. I'm not sure if it was on the soundtrack, but they do have, um, we get the beat. That's in the movie, but not on the soundtrack. On the soundtrack. They yeah, had another American, song in the I'm assuming an American, American girl, girl is not, nope, not on the soundtrack. soundtrack and is moving in stereo also. No, not that's the thing. Because like those the, right there is, are great. But the yeah, songs in the movie they got rights to, which are great. They couldn't afford yeah, right, to the, get them for the soundtrack. Zeppelin. Oh, yeah, Zeppelin. Yep, side right. one of, of Led Zeppelin 4. And then he ends up playing Cashmere, which is right, yeah. which is not on. It's Houses of the Holy Year. Yes. Yeah. One of those. Or yeah. one of those, right. Um, a neat thing in 2005, the film, now we're going back to the film, not the TV show, but definitely check out the TV show. Very endearing and no laugh track, so which was nice. Um, it was 1986. So that's rare um, for that. Era. Very rare. Like they just let it play out. And it was, and Courtney Sorn Smith is great. Like she's really good, obviously, as like a comedic actor as well. And it's interesting that both she and Chainsaw are in this and were also in summer school. Nice. Probably within the same year. Yeah. You said 86. It's probably yeah. very similar. You know what? I'm going to give you then this, this, this is going to seg right into my trivia part of the night, but let me just finish. Uh, 2005, this film was selected for preservation in the United States national film registry library of Congress. Right. As being so. Culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. I think that's correct in all three counts. Yes. Yes. 100%. Without question. So you pointed out, Chainsaw, Courtney, Courtney Thornsmith, Summer School. What two actors from Fast Times two years later appeared in a movie together with the actor uh, Zach Galligan? I can give you more hints, but I don't know Zach Galligan. Yeah, he this he's he's only known. Oh, is for that this the movie Gremlins so guy? I think it's the the movie is Gremlins. Oh, it's Gremlins. Who's oh because he's at the bank. Brad Hamilton works at the bank with with the. Uh... Hey, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Well he has done. a very small scene as being he's in the bank. And then afterwards, he goes to the bar where Phoebe Cates is working at. And he just talks down to poor Zach and then hits on Phoebe Cates. We just rented now, Gremlins uh, with the kids. Uh, one kid, the one kid it was too scary for. Gremlins is a good movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a question because when Phoebe Cates works at the bar and the Gremlins take over, why at that point is she taking their drink orders? Yeah. Like the, <laughs> she the could whole, run at that point. She could run, but she <laughs> literally was, I guess, held hostage, doing her best. She's like holding the tray. Yeah, She's- I'm watching her like <laughs> take this, you know, fill up some drinks and then pretty How odd. great would it be if like the gremlin started raising hell and then she complains and then Dennis Taylor just walks out oh my and God. was like, Phoebe, did this gremlin, did you, Phoebe, did you, did you, did you, did you set the, did you- this gremlin on fire? <laughs> the field. The field trip scene when um, all the students are piling into the autopsy room. Yeah. And Vincent Scully <laughs> just looks at, at Spicoli and goes, are you in my class? And he just goes, I am today. Just walks <laughs> in. Like little things like that where it's just like they could have built it up, show like Spicoli trying to like conniving his way into going. But just yeah. the way they, they didn't need to. Didn't need to. Speaking of Spicoli, it, one of my favorite lines is when they get in the car accident and he says, my dad's a TV repairman. He's got the 
most awesome. pitch and tool, awesome, awesome tools, set, awesome set of awesome tools. Set tools. I can fix this. He's I a TV repairman. Yeah. That's my favorite. It's not like he's, a, it wouldn't be funny at all if he's like, my dad's a mechanic. That wouldn't no. be funny at all, but just my dad's a TV repairman. And then, and then uh, Jefferson's little brother, he's going to shit. He's going to kill us. Gonna, yeah. And then make up Spicoli, make up your mind. Is he just going to shit or is he going to kill us? <laughs> he's going to shit. Then he's gonna. Kill. And these are lines that, like, I'm not a big movie quoting guy, but in high school I was, and mm -hmm. basically all these lines. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Speaking of little brothers, and this is this is why Spicoli is so brilliant because he's such a wild child, but he also there are certain rules and codes that he obey that he lives by, because when his little brother comes running in and he's like, "Get out of here, Curtis! I don't hear you unless you knock." Yeah. It's just <laughs> such a perfect. It's yep. such a perfect thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like he has his, he has his rules. Yeah. Um, the, there was one little throwaway scene. It was actually the, the darkest part of the movie when Stacy approached. When Tiffany died? No, I'm sorry. Yeah. When Tiff <laughs> yeah rest in peace, Tiffany. Hey guys, um, again, rest in peace, Tiffany. We're Tiffany. <laughs> um, where Damone is trying to collect money to help pay for the abortion. Yes. Yeah. He's got the ledger and it's got abortion, $75. Rod Stewart, $60, question mark, right below it. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God, that's amazing. The way when Damone pencils in two tickets, earth, wind, and fire, Jefferson and little brother. Just the yeah. way he, he says it out loud. He's a good-looking kid. Then he's just like, and little brother. I used and, to use that line all the time. I yes. Go, Is that your little brother over there? Yeah. He's a good, good looking, looking kid. kid. Oh, I love it. And then one of my favorite scenes before that, the little curly haired redheaded kid with the freckles. Oh, yeah. Asking about uh, uh, Blue Oyster Cult. Mm -hmm. And the way Damone, the way the pecking order, they would talk down to people who were younger than him, just as teens would do. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of looks at him and he's just like, where were you when they were on tour last year? I got stuck with 32 Blue Oyster Cult tickets. I was this close to working at 7-Eleven. Yeah. Right. Just another. And just when the first kids come up and said, uh, do you have Van Halen? I don't know if it was Van Halen tickets. Yeah, it was Van it was. Halen, yeah. And he just does that thing with his hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like. He's terrific. Oh, so I actually good. met him. I forgot what? about this. I How very did you forget it, Chip? Just very briefly this is one of the most bizarre things in the world speaking of christmas i don't know if ed knows about this and i wouldn't be shocked if he didn't and i would almost be upset if he did and it's, or sad for him if he knew about this so robert romanus i met him about t probably 10 12 years ago i was just doing stand-up for a few years um at the i think the broad theater in souderton pennsylvania he was there and I shook his hand, just met him very briefly. It was like, there wasn't really an interaction, just shook his hand. He was in a film, starting a film called the, A Halfway House Christmas. Oh my goodness. That was written and directed by like a local guy, like I think from the Southerton area. It starred a few of the guys from Jackass and I think Bobcat Goldthwait narrated it. And it was this really low budget, pretty horrible movie about these people in a halfway house at Christmas. And Robert Romanus was kind of like the counselor. 
And he was there for the screening. And I, the only reason I was there was because two of my friends were doing stand-up at the beginning of the show because they thought that would be a good idea. It oh wasn't. <laughs> but um, they- I, I'm uh, not aware of that one. <laughs> and it's, it's, re- it's a really, really terrible movie. It's so low budget. And it's like, it's just silly written. Like they, it's just, they try to be goofy. And like the guys from Jackass are just, and they're like the low rung guys from Jackass. Yeah. And they're just yeah. trying to be stupid in it. And and you just feel Robert Romanus is just like this whirlwind of shit around him. He's like, what am I doing here? I don't, I shouldn't be here. I feel like, and he was very nice. He was very gracious yeah, yeah. when they did a and a with him and everything. And he was very gracious, but he was just like, I, what, what did I do to deserve this? I was Mike Damone. He, uh, I, don't, I don't remember him much beyond this movie. I, I do remember he played Natalie's boyfriend, Snake. On Snake. Snake. Of Life. Yes. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, he was really but, good. But I don't know too much beyond that. And like you're saying with Ratner, like, I mean, he was a terrific actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he, he, he was, was a he was character unto himself. Yeah, it was kind of uh, not, not to not to bring up a, a like a, a sour subject or a, a bad name, but he uh, he he definitely seemed like, and I think he actually won the award, like a Tony or whatever, for this. Um, he was like the modern day Woody Allen. Like, I mean, that nervous kind of. Like that's, I mean, he was just kind of brilliant. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, guys, it's trivia time. Now, I think both of you guys are pretty well versed in in fast times trivia. So I'm just going to go back and forth with each. Year. I already gave you the uh, Ed got the Gremlins. Chip, I'll give you this. Name two of the three places Brad worked at. Uh, All American Burger. Very good. And is it uh, and uh, the Mighty Mark? Yes, Mighty Mart, and then Ed, you will give the third one, of course. Captain Hook Fish and Chips. Captain Hook Fish and Chips. Yes, he worked at all three, which which is such a How great... long do you think he was at Captain Hook? Not long. Like a week. The scene with the twins. The oh, two red so by the twins. Oh. They're amazing. Were they were they somebody? Were they like no. they were just they, twins. they were the proclaimers? I was just going to say they were the proclaimers. That's, they looked. Right. I, I was just going to say that, Jeff. Right. Yeah. Doesn't the one guy say, "Have you ever heard of, or can you pronounce blemish, or so, something yes. like that?" That blemish. Oh, that scene too. Like just writing in two. Yeah. Like hypochondriac eaters, just like yep. let's get out of here. All right, here's a good one. And Ed, I believe this is one of the scenes we mentioned when Mister Vargas takes his class to the hospital to view the cadaver. He informs them that they're derelicts. I love that. Donated their bodies to science for a certain amount of money, prompting the impressed Spicoli to exclaim, righteous bucks. <laughs> How much money did Mr. Vargas say the derelicts received? Was it $50? Um, it was actually, this is great. It was actually 25. Mr. Vargas says, a cool $30. And then the attendant whispers to him and it cracks him. It was only 25. <laughs> but just the way like Spicoli's so impressed. He's just like, I, these derelicts got paid money for their vice. Righteous bucks. And doesn't he say something like we had the for- the uh, the fortune of him suffering from heart disease or yes, something yep, like that. Describing like- his, his malady that killed him. Um, we already discussed the, the actors who won Academy Awards. Oh, and Ed, you already hit on this. Sister of what major rock star appeared in the movie? I think we learned that. Pamela uh, Pamela Springsteen. This is great, Chip. When Mark and Stacy go on their first date, what dish do they both order at what appears to be a German restaurant? 
Is it? Do they get the knockwurst? Fantastic. The lady will have the knockwurst. The lady yeah. will have the knockwurst. I have a question for you guys. Yep. When Damone shows up and he's supposed <laughs> to sneakily give him the wallet, and he's like, "Hey, you left your wallet here. I found your wallet a few days ago. I wonder if you want it or something like that." What does he eat? Is that are, oh, you're gonna ask. Are, yes. Were you gonna ask what he was gonna eat? Because I was always wondering that. What is? Oh, I don't know. He, he bites it and like juice comes everywhere. It's, <laughs> it's really it's it's a pretty vile bite. It, it is. It is. And I never does, knew what it was. Like it does seem like some sort of cherry. German restaurants. Yeah. Oh my god! I didn't even realize that. And just the way he kind of sells out to moan, mm-hmm. and then kind of like gives yeah. a little wink to stay, and you could tell she's like smitten with him. Oh. Another great scene. Um, this is an easy one for Ed, but I'll, I'll give it anyway. Um, Stacy and Linda seem impressed that there are three separate girls that have managed to cultivate the look of which celebrated female rocker? Uh, well, that's Pat Benatar, but it's Marianne Zlotnick. And, wow. <laughs> and some, there was another Z name. That's I don't good. remember the, the, the other two, but I remember Marianne Zlotnick. Zlotnick. And you know what the best part about that is? They introduced that early on. And then throughout the movie, like when they go on the class trip, to visit the cadaver there's three pat benatars like that's just <laughs> the consistency of this is so great yeah uh we mentioned this chip charles jefferson tells Damone that he'd like to take his little brother to see which concert uh, earth wind and fire earth wind and fire <laughs> and little does, brother the and one little guy brother. who goes hey, i thought he just flew in for games that was oh, the best God. follow-up line he actually <laughs> goes here i thought they just flew him in for games you speaking of family members, I think one of the things that I that I enjoy about this, and unless I'm wrong, uh, they definitely do the peanuts approach where you never see any parents. It's just so the kids. Great. Like there's no you, you the, yeah. the parents are never. referenced, like the Hamilton parents are referenced. Never, I didn't even notice them. that shit, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. Coley, his brother talks about, it. hey, dad says you gotta get up or something, but but you, you never know. see him. Yeah. Hey, my dog's here. Hey. You, no, you never see matter. the dogs. You hear them. No, you hear them. She's the loud one. Um, oh, my. Oh, this is great. I know. I, I, I pretty much preface every question with this is great. I don't mean my question is great. I mean the part of the movie. The is fact. Great. Uh, Chip, I believe you were doing something I mentioned. Ed and I were talking about this. How many payments did Brad have left on his car and name? What was the name of Brad's car? It was... I think it's six payments. Is it yes. six payments? And uh, it's the 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 bomb the not the the cruiser the bomber the so close the 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 cruising the cruising vessel. Yes, the cruising vessel. And I have a great great question for you. The scene with the twins, which we love, the sandwich that is mentioned when the redheaded twins try to order something that isn't deep fried or breaded. What is the name of the sandwich? <laughs> I mean, it's Captain. Is it like Ahab or something? What I don't. You're, know. you're so close. It's called the Whaler. <laughs> they ask for something that's not deep fried or breaded, and Brad tells them we, the, the Whaler. Whaler. The Whaler. <laughs> oh, Chip. What's the name of the slime ball Stacy picks up at the pizza place? Who ends up the older gentleman? Oh, uh, such a great name. I uh, should. I know. Yeah, is it Ray something? It's very close. Ron. Oh, oh, Ron Johnson. Yes. And what is his job? Yeah, he's a stereo salesman, right? <laughs> it's exactly I think his, 
I think his card says audio consultant. But, yes. So uh. <laughs> I tried for my senior year yearbook. They're like, oh, we got to submit your quote, your oh. senior quote. And I tried to submit memories of you, Ron Johnson. Oh, Somebody's like, for the, the flowers. Amazing. And somebody's like, you can't do that. And I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know what I, what I was supposed to choose. And so they're like, well, here's a quote book and pick this. And I was like, I'll take that one. So instead I've got a dumb Joe Paterno quote underneath my oh, name uh, for eternity. It could have been memories of you, Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson, which is so much better. Ed, where did you That's... grow up? I went to Rumson Fairhaven High School in okay. Central Jersey. I like sure. Yeah. So why, why would a, a, a Penn State... Joe Paterno. It was, it was a quote book, and it was oh, like, okay, the, gotcha. The desire to prepare. It was some, you know, some nonsense. Like I just didn't, I didn't have any. I, I had that one idea in my head. I'll, I'll oh. do memories of you, Ron Johnson, and somebody's like, no, nah, you can't, you can't do that. That's, that's referencing. Oh. You're so know, close to being a legend, and then yeah. you just end up. <laughs> that's the story of my life. Close, yeah. but not a legend. This is this is uh, this is one for you, Ed. Another one of Damone's points was always to call the shots. Kiss me, you won't regret it. While demonstrating this, he used a cardboard stand-up display of what female pop artist? Debbie Harry. Yes, I like I like when he talks about the ordering, and he's like, "We'll have the linguine with clam sauce and a diet coke with no ice." No, no ice. Just love it. I mean, how Just specific. That- how specific, specific and he has it so ready like just he's got his arm around the cardboard cutout and he, and he's just he's done it he's so he's such a he's such a pro and he's given this advice out to his friends who are not as advanced in the ways of of mm-hmm. courting a woman god bless Damone. seriously again we keep talking about just one of the greatest characters ever uh chip the exact phrase i want the exact phrase brad tells the three guys spicoli and his two buddies when he realizes they're not wearing shirts at all American burgers, what's the exact phrase? They'll Is have it, to leave because yeah. no shirt, no shoes, no dice, right? Perfect. That's it. That's all. Oh, is that what you're looking for? for. Okay. It. And then yep. I was looking for, is it, is it, is it learn it, know it, live it? Is yep. that what he says? That's, that's okay. the wow. And how about the other two? Those were famous guys in the scene with him. That's uh, uh, Anthony, Edwards, Anthony Edwards from ER fame and, and Top Top and, Gun fame. Yeah, and uh, Stoltzy, Eric Stoltz. Stoltz. Let's name yeah. some good Stoltz movies. We got Mask, Mask, uh, Back to the Future, Back to the Future. He was in the first. He was replaced. before before they fired him and replaced him. Yes. With a, Do you know uh, that like after a while, right? Didn't they have to? It like, was they did a, a decent amount of. Yep. Yeah, it was like six weeks or something like that that they shot. And then they're like, "No, this isn't working." Yeah, and. Some kind of wonderful he was in. Yes. Eric Stoltz starred in a movie that was follow-up movie to this 1984, also written by Cameron Crowe, not connected to the movie, to the, to the world of fast times, but it was a spiritual sequel. It stars one of the major stars of this movie's younger brother and Eric Stoltz. Is it Sean Penn's younger brother? Sean Penn's yeah. younger brother, think. Ed, what are we looking at? I don't know the movie, but I yeah, my only guess would be you must be talking about Chris Penn. because Chris Penn, in, 1984. He had a run for a while. Yeah, he did, and it was called The Wildlife. Okay. It is a movie one, where yeah. he and two of his buddies are wrestlers in high school, 
they have a lot of similar scenes where they have like no shirts on in a restaurant. Eric Stoltz uh, is in it. Um, who, who played the mom in um, the uh, the Back to the Future movie? Leah. Oh, Leah Thompson. Le- Leah Thompson, right. So Leah Thompson was in it. It's a pretty fun movie. I've watched it. I remember watching it. This is a good one. I think this one will go to Ed. Ed, what's the name of Linda's fiance who lives in Chicago? Oh, no. Who she talks about constantly. Oh, she talks about him. He goes to Northwestern. Yep. And he eventually dumps her, right? Right before yeah. the big dance. He, he, he's not coming. And no, so she's like, not. well, maybe you're not mature enough or something wow. like that. But I don't, I don't remember his name. Give it an initial. It's a D and it's a monosyllabic D. It's a great guy name. See, when I hear D, I just want to, I want to go back to Dennis Taylor. And I know it's not not Dennis. Guys, it's Doug. 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 Doug in Chicago. Super tough. This, this is one of the greatest. Super, this is for either of you guys. When Rat gets the nerve up to finally talk to Stacy at Perry's Pizza, right? What's the premise does he use? What's his opening question? Ed, you're smiling. I think I know this. You know this. Well, is it, it's his jacket, right? The lost and found. Yes. And then she's like, do you want to look through it? And he's like, nah, it'd take too long. I'll just buy a new one. It's so, that's so amazing. It's so just amazing. Like that is such a true thing. Like I remember getting the nerve up, getting the phone number of a girl I liked and practicing my opening salvo. Oh, what's the what I was going to open with? And his opening line was, Hey, what do you do with the jackets that people leave here? <laughs> well, and then he says to get the phone number, he's like, The other question was, Can I have your phone number so I can call you and ask you out sometime? Yeah. Like it's the most convoluted, awkward. And she just goes, she rolls with it. I mean, God bless her. Yeah. yeah. She's very nice to him when he's really not deserving of affection no. at the beginning. And no, I was in a very similar situation, like at the pool party, I was in like eighth grade and there was a girl like, and a friend of mine dragged me to her house at in the summertime. We were all sort of friends yeah. and like kind of invited ourselves to she and her friend were at the pool and invite. And like, I was just awkward the entire time. Like that was straight out of that movie that, that happened to me. And it was completely very awkward. Wouldn't it have been cool if you were in high school though and you had a friend like Damone? Oh man. How great I, would that be? Yeah. Yeah, I did I didn't have I didn't have uh, that guy who would just no. invite us over someplace like, hey, let we're just showing up at a pool. I, yeah. I didn't have that friend. Oh, we all needed that friend, I think. Yeah. Sure. Ed, what would you say today? How would you sell this movie to a a youngster millennial? You would say, Hey, you guys need to watch Fast Times Ridgemont High because I mean, because it's the single greatest high school movie of all time. And the themes of high school movies, technology advances or not, are all kind of the same. It's angst and relationships, but this is the the best one. And it's, it holds up better than, I mean, think about it. It holds up better than American Pie that took place 20 years later about high school. Like this, this is the, the ultimate high school movie. Agree. Chip, agree, disagree. uh, 100% agree with what he said. It's such a perfect picture of high school life, no matter where it is. Uh, And it moves fast too. It clocks in at 90 minutes. 
We so, that's something we love about eighties movies, Chip. We it mentioned moves, it all the time. It's such a fast moving movie that you're you just, want more, right? You really do. Yeah. It just it sure. flies by. You can you can go on YouTube and type in Fast Times at Richmond High deleted scenes, and there's like 20. Oh, and wow. most of them are like one minute long. Mm-hmm. They're either add-ons to an already scene or uh, a preface to a, another scene. And there's some good ones in there. Like there's one where Spicoli's in the bathroom telling his buddies what he did to Mr. Hand after Mr. Hand ripped up his card. Mm-hmm. And you could understand why they were not in the movie. Right. Like you didn't need it or it wasn't great, but the movie was so economical in, you know, mm-hmm. the writing, the presentation, but it is nice to see, you know, little extra scenes and there's not many. And spe- speaking of Spicoli and Mr. Hand, he, just his little asides that he has, like when he wants to come in the first time and he's like, uh, I'm in your class. And he's like, what class? And he's like, U.S. history. You see, I see the globe right there. I mean, it's just perfect. Or when he, when he first comes in right after that and he's like, I know that dude, like just non sequitur. He's so stoned and he just doesn't, he's like, I know that dude. It's just, it's, it has nothing to do with what's going on. It's perfect. How about Ed, how they, how do they trick Spicoli to come into class? What is, (laughs) what, what, what is, what is there's the no tech? birthday party in here for me? <laughs> there's no birthday party in here for me. That's just um, like, oh. And and they're so great in that the final scene where he shows up at Spicoli's house is a very sweet moment yeah. when they have the aloha. Like it's it's a touching moment. There yeah. There's a genuine like he got through to the student on some level, and he's like, I think you'll you'll just scrape by. And there was like a there's a genuine respect for one another in that. Scene. And, and it is because everybody has teachers in high school. They actually do like, and they do appreciate, you know, what they put them through. Like when Mr. Hand is signing the yearbooks at the end of like all the girls are walking up and he's signing their yearbooks and they're all excited for him, which is pretty cool. Um, give me two other movies, teen movies, put this at the top that you hold just as high or almost as high chip. What are you thinking? Teen movies. Uh, Got to probably go Breakfast Club. Yeah. Ed, feel free to jump in. If I'm yeah. Think. Um, I mean, I'm not going to be very original because it's by the same guy. But to me, I, I don't know how to separate my younger self. Like Ferris yeah. Bueller, the, I don't mm-hmm. know how to separate. Maybe as an adult, I'd be like, you know, he's doing some mean things here. But I, I still just love the, the dynamic between uh, Ferris Sloan and Cameron fry um yeah but i i mean late teenage years uh breaking away i don't know if they're quite i don't know if they're quite i mean it's not really like a high school movie but yeah those are like breaking away uh, 19 year olds living in a college town yeah that's that's uh the cutters yeah kind of almost more about the teachers but high school movie in general favorite high school movie uh right right up there with that 1998 Maybe I want to say uh, Matthew. Speaking of Ferris Bueller, Matthew Broderick, nineteen ninety eight election. Terrific. Election is just uh, the uh, just such a great. Such yeah, a that's great a little more. A, it's more a little more focused on the adult. The adults, yeah, right? yeah. Um, one I'll throw out from the nineties, I believe, maybe early two thousand. Dazed and confused. Oh sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, such a subtle, not not really a comedy. And not really like there's really no way to describe that movie. It's not a drama. It's not a comedy. It's not a dramedy. It's just a, a slice of life movie. Yep. Yeah. Right. Last day of school, slice of life. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't capture a last day of school. Now that is, yeah, that's, that's one of the top ones for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then I know a lot of people, I mentioned it earlier, a lot of the younger folks, and I believe our friend Greg Gethard said, this is probably his favorite comedy of all time, Chip. Super bad. Have you watched super bad? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoy it a lot. Uh, I, I don't understand exactly why people think it's the greatest like some people say it's the funniest movie of all time. Uh, I think it's really good. I think yeah. it's a very good movie, but like, I also, I, th- I think sometimes it's overhyped, yeah. but it's, but I think it's a very good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has a lot of the same kind of like realistic settings for kids, like dorky mm-hmm. kids, just trying to go to a party. Yeah. Trying to bring beer, trying to be popular. Mm-hmm. Michael Sarah is amazing. Jonah Hill. Yeah. Jonah Hill's great in it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's another one that, you know, people put up there. I think it's great. Ed, we got about a couple minutes left. I want to just get, a, again, your book, so much fun, the Christmas book, The Ultimate Guide to Your Favorite Holiday. What are, um, just give me two TV show or movie recommendations. Like Chip asked you for like weird ones, but ones that will get you in the spirit that you actually enjoyed, you discovered while you're working out. And you're like, wow, this is actually good. And this wasn't a chore to watch. See, I, I don't know. I mean, so many of them, everybody knows um, there were the more obscure ones. I saw a, a pretty cool, cool one about the uh, the Christmas truce of 1914. It's a French movie, um, which is a real story. The um, the German and French and British troops ha- had a truce on Christmas Day and sung carols and yeah drank wine together and uh and it was about that and it's a french movie called i don't even know how to pronounce it joyo noel or something like that i think Uh, you know it yeah that was uh pretty good i'm trying to think of things that nobody's heard of but i mean i i love you know i love some of the classics and i love um uh, of the different christmas carol versions they're you know, I I have a, spot, a spot in my heart for Scrooged. Um, people, that's very divisive. Some people say it's a joyless Christmas movie, and I I find it's a very eighty spin on it. And Bill Murray does does a great job with it. It was, uh, you know, there were there were episodes of TV that I thought were great. There was a great Andy Griffith episode that was Whoa. that was written by a guy who was blacklisted from the McCarthy. Wow! Uh, oh, wow! And they get they I think the producers of that were like letting him write on the side under a, a pen name, and uh, he wrote a great Christmas episode where they they look out for the meanest guy in town, and and so there are a lot of charming episodes. There are so many good um, Alfred Hitchcock presents episodes. Uh, there, a guy murders his mistress who's about to tell his wife about the affair, and then Jesus. he gets caught in the lock. He gets locked in the office with her. And he's he's in the office and the key breaks off and he's trying to figure out how to get her her and him or him out of that office by Monday morning when the when the uh, the rest of the office comes back. Wow, and wow. there's some cool like Christmas horror Christmas. Um, there's a great Twilight Zone episode starring Art Carney at Christmas where mm-hmm. he's he's a mall Santa down on his luck and he actually turns into the real Santa. That's a that's a great one. 
Yeah. Yeah. There, there are a lot of cool random episodes and there are also funny things that happened. One of the Judy Garland Christmas specials I write about that she, she and Mel, Mel Torme like almost get into a fight <laughs> while singing the Christmas song because she's intentionally flubbing his lines and he's not having it. And not so having it. Oh. I try to find, and obviously I've read about It's a Wonderful Life. Like, why did that movie become a Christmas staple? Nobody yeah. watched it between 1940. It's about to be 75 years this year. And between then and when it came out in 1974 or something, it was never seen. And then really? the license wow. ran out uh, with the company. And so every syndicated station, every station around the country just started playing it nonstop because they had oh. a free Jimmy Stewart movie. Oh wow. my God, that's fantastic. So it's, it's a famous Christmas movie only from the 70s. And, um, and only and because about, public domain, they had access. It was public and, domain. And then wow. NBC, I think in the mid nineties, finally bought it. And now it's just shown once or twice a year again, but for a 20 year stretch, it was shown hundreds of times. I mean, you know, like the channel 11 in New York city probably showed it every day for a month. WPIX. That's right. Yeah. And so, uh, that's why it's associated with Christmas so much. I mean, it's it's a Christmas movie, sort of, but there's not Christmas songs in it really. Yeah. Um, it's it's because that the the license ran out, and so That's it was played awesome. nonstop for twenty years. Wow! So and people, you can find more of these these tidbits. These not only tidbits; these are conversation starters. You you learn two or three of these. You go out to a holiday party, you put on your finest gear, and you wow the folks. You just drop it. You go, hey, guys, you enjoying some um, Jimmy Stewart holiday movie? And they're like, yeah, I wish we knew more about it. And you're like, well, that's why I'm here. <laughs> you can tell them how Jingle Bells, there's no mention of Christmas in it. And it wasn't intended to be a Christmas song. See? And if you mm -hmm. want to learn more about that, you buy the book, Christmas book right here. This is great. I have it like next to me and I just open it up every now and then. I'm going to be a Christmas savant by the end of, of the month. Chip, you got any recommendation, one Christmas recommendation that you hold uh, near and dear to your little cold, dark heart? I'm such a sucker for Home Alone. Uh, just, yeah. It just gets me in the spirit. Sure. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, that's there's a very there's basic that... one, but yeah, that's one I, I really And you'll, you'll watch it every... I'm amazed yep. with the, um, the way Elf has taken over as yes. the go-to mm -hmm. juggernaut of Christmas season. To yeah. the point where it's, there are stations like channels that just play it from Not like six o'clock till two, just nonstop every day yeah. for a month and a half. Yeah. A, a cool thing about uh, Home Alone is Chris Columbus, the director, um, he made sure every shot is either red, white, or green in the shot. Like it's, he, so it looks beautiful. It looks, Mm -hmm. You get a certain vibe from it because it's it was very specific. Every shot is is carefully planned in that movie. Oh, that's great. He he turned down Christmas Vacation directing that because he had a meet uh, with Chevy Chase and he was such a jerk. So he's like, now I'll do another John Hughes movie, and it turned out to be Home Alone. That sounds about wow, right. Wow, that that's sounds, awesome. Yeah, which I will I will watch a Christmas Vacation every year. I like it. I like it but I always then almost immediately have to go right back and watch the original vacation because oh, yeah. just to like ma make sure all is right with the world because it just doesn't compare, you know? Yeah. You, yeah. You to, yeah. I believe Amy Heckerling directed European vacation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I believe that's true. 
Well, guys, thank you so much. We're actually at one hour and a half. That is our official limit. We're not allowed to go over. I'm sorry about that. Chip, anything you want to promote coming up? I know you're going to be down in what, Missouri or something. Where are we, where are we, where are you heading? St. Louis. I'm going to be St. Louis on uh, next weekend, November 19th and 20th. And uh, a big, j- just hot off the presses. I'll be speaking of Christmas. I'll be at Soul Joel's, everybody, Soul Joel's Comedy Club, but at the new Westover Country Club, his new pop-up before he gets his official new club, indoor club. Uh, I'll be there two nights after Christmas uh, on Monday, December 27th. He's doing a whole week of shows between Christmas and New Year's. I'll be there with Jake Matera on uh, Monday, December 27th at Soul Joel's at West Narton, uh, in West Narton, uh, PA. The country club. You just follow uh, at Chip Chantry on many of his uh, social media. Ed, we can at used wigs. Yeah, Chip, if you uh, run into Mike Damone again, you got to have him on the show. Yeah, I, you know what? It's I great point. I Ed. wish. How amazing would that be? I mean, just to just to make well, if you are here, or just get some a, advice from him. Maybe here's the part between the three of us, Chip. If you get him on the show again, we have Ed on the show, Damone, yep. Ed, and we just have him give us life lessons. Yeah, mm-hmm. no matter what happens, great. your feet are still tapping. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Ed, we can find your book, of course, the Christmas book, the ultimate guide to your favorite holiday, Amazon, many places. We can find you social media on Twitter. Easy E D D A L Y. All right. And of course y- you and I will find each other literally a 10 year long battle words with friends, <laughs> maybe my That's longest right. opponent. It's, it's so much fun. Uh, thank you guys. I want to leave this with two, three words for each of you. Aloha, Mr. Chantry. Aloha, Mr. Daly. Aloha. Aloha, Aloha Mr. Guys. We'll see you. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys.